From the makers of Monday Mornings, Jock Itch, and The Price of Gas, it's The Covenant, a movie that may as well have been called I Can't Believe It's Not Twilight. <laughs> Honestly. Hello, hello, and welcome to Skeleton Closet, a podcast at the intersection of queerness and horror. I'm Shannon. And I'm Jake. And today we are covering The Covenant, which is a 2006 masterpiece. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) You could call it a movie, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I guess it's a movie. It was... uh, yeah, 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 a movie, a movie. Not a masterpiece, but a movie. A movie directed by Rennie Harlan and written by J.S. Carden. And it was based on nothing, uh, which is new for us since the movies are usually based on something. That's true, yeah. Most of them have been adaptations of, of novels or some such. This one's sort of uh, an original work. Um I, this movie's from 2006, a uh, year long gone by. I was nine years old for most of 2006. Um, why don't you situate us, Shannon? Take us, okay. take us back in time. <clears throat> I would love to. Stepping into your TARDIS, you will find yourself back in 2006. Stephen Harper has just become Prime Minister. Twitter. <laughs> has launched as a new social media platform. Pluto has been downgraded from a planet to just a dwarf star, and the Nintendo Wii has just been released in North America and Europe. And most importantly for 2006, Step Up has hit theaters. This is the same year as Step Up? This is the same year as Step Up. And... Yeah, and Aquamarine, and Saw 3, and some other garbage. It's great. (laughs) Kind of a garbage year in general, eh? Yeah, I don't know how I feel about 2006. I mean, I I was 10 years old. I mean, I I was like, oh man, there's some like Harry Potter references. And I was Googling up, I'm like, oh, no way is like Harry Potter movies already. I remember seeing those when they came out in theater. There are already four Harry Potter movies out by 2006. They were like, whoa, releasing those things like crazy. (laughs) Goblet of Fire is already out. Yeah. So like, I I know fucking, what's his name? Robert Pattinson. Oh boy. Oh boy. So um, we got some positive feedback from uh, last episode where we summarized two movies within about 10 minutes. Um, You know, the sort of uh, tradition on this podcast is to waste about an hour just summarizing the events of the movie. Um, We're we're taking a hard pivot from that because we we have better uses for our time and yours. So, um, yeah, we've got a, a condensed summary provided by Shannon. We could like alternate paragraphs if that Ooh, sure. Yeah, we can alternate paragraphs. Let's do this. Okay, in this summary, we will not hold your hand through the full movie, but please be prepared because this is going to be a whirlwind. Welcome to Ipswich, Massachusetts and Spencer Academy, a private high school for the local rich bitches. Attending the school are a squad of hot rich boys known as the 
sons of Ipswich, Caleb Danvers, Pogue Perry, Reed Garwin, and Tyler Sims. Caleb is your typical hot jock and all-American boy. He lives with his mom to take care of her, he drives a convertible, and he's got daddy issues. Pogue is a bit of a bad boy. He has long hair, drives a motorcycle, and is hella protective of his girlfriend. Reed is a reckless dickwad. He's the kind of shithead to stir up trouble anywhere he goes. Tyler, um, Tyler has five lines and has no semblance of a personality. So what's so special about these boys? They have supernatural powers. The four boys descend from five families of witches that settled in Ipswich 300 years ago. Wait, five families, but only four boys question mark i really love your characterization of of the four boys we've got uh a bad boy a dickwad um someone with zero personality and a hot jock which really closely resembles my friend group in high school as well um i obviously was the hot jock in the situation um, oh i was gonna say you're the dickwad uh, <laughs> my bad that that was brad that was brad no tea no shade to cut a long movie short, it turns out there's one more descendant, and he's just started attending Spencer Academy as well. Chase Collins is a nice guy with a tragic past. At the age of two years old, his mother died, and he was adopted by the Collins family. On his 18th birthday, Chase's adoptive parents died in a car crash, leaving him on his own. He sought out and found his birth father and learned of his connection to witches and Ipswich. Chase, however, had been playing with his powers long before meeting his father and learning the truth. At the age of 13, the boy's powers manifest only in the eldest son of any given generation. At the age of 18, the boys ascend, reaching up the full height of their powers. Magic can be willed from one person to another, but the person who gives up their magic dies in the process. Chase's dad willed his powers to Chase, essentially supercharging him. Yes, so the supernatural and magic in this story doesn't make the most sense, and it seems to have no limits, but whatever, we're okay with it. Our story follows Sarah Wenham, a new arrival at Spencer Academy, who we meet at the annual preterm bonfire. She's accompanied by her roommate, Kate Tunney. Kate's boyfriend is none other than Pogue, the motorcycle-riding son of Ipswich. Kate introduces Sarah to the boys, and immediately Caleb and Reed take a shine to her. The party is broken up by the cops, Reed fixes Sarah's car with a little bit of magic, and everyone escapes back to the... Ooh, excuse me, I burped a little. Everyone is... <laughs> and everyone escapes back to the dorms. Using the magic comes at a cost, though. Every time the boys use their magical powers, they are aged a little bit, and the magic is addictive. Dun-dun-dun! I'm absolutely not editing out that burp, by the way. The audience is going to hear every minute of that. <laughs> Amazing. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. The next day, we learn that a student died in his car the night of the party. We get a spooky shower scene with Sarah where a ghost breaks a light bulb and an awkward hallway encounter with Reed, who is wearing Pokemon trainer gloves. Sarah also has a wicked nightmare about spiders. Caleb and Sarah become close, going on errands together and visiting Caleb's original family estate. 
That evening, they go to the bar for some fun. We see all the teenagers acting normal and having a good time until uh, Reed cheats at pool using his magic and starts a fight. There's a confrontation between the boys and Caleb accuses Reed of using his powers. Caleb had felt it. However, it wasn't actually Reed. <gasps> oh, my Lanta. So Caleb and Pogue see these darklings appear in the form of a dead boy as a bad omen, but nothing else comes of the darklings. <laughs> it seems <laughs> it seems like these darklings show up when there's some sort of powerful magic being used, the magic and power that Caleb had felt, but not known where it came from. So there's some swimming competition between Caleb and Chase, and Chase uses his powers on Caleb during the race. This is when Chase and the sons of Ipswich, wait, this is when <laughs> Caleb, oh God, we confuse these guys so much. They are, they are five white boys. They are five brunette. Wait, Reed has blonde hair because yeah. he looks like Draco Malfoy. He does. But they, four out of five of them are brunette white boys. So like, they are very confusing. But yeah. at this point, during the swimming competition is when the sons of Ipswich learn that Chase has powers. Oh my god, he is a descendant too. No fucking way. As the boys discuss this fact, Kate is hospitalized for anaphylaxis inflicted by a spell. When Pogue hears that his girlfriend is in the hospital, he rushes out on his motorcycle and is confronted by Chase in the middle of the road. They face off and Chase puts Pogue in the hospital. Soon, Chase confronts Caleb. This is when Chase's story properly comes to light. He's come to Ipswich seeking out the boys because he's addicted to using his magic powers and he wants to take their power too. Chase uses Sarah as a pawn to threaten Caleb, the whole I'll kill all your friends and family if you don't do what I tell you shtick. Uh, on the night of Caleb's 18th birthday, when he is set to ascend, he meets up with Chase at the Putnam Barn, a barn outside of town infamously owned by witches. Chase has Sarah held hostage and waits for Caleb to ascend at 11.12pm, gaining his full powers. Caleb and Chase have a bit of a scrap in the barn. Uh, at a pivotal point in the fight, Caleb's mother goes to their ancestral home where Caleb's father, dec decrepit from abusing his powers, uh, where he lives. Caleb's mother convinces him to pass his powers on to Caleb, and he does so in the nick of time, empowering Caleb to win the fight and defeat Chase by throwing a 2006 CGI fireball through his soul, um, <laughs> eliminating him. <laughs> Neutralizing him? I uh, beating him. KO. <laughs> Knockout. Yeah. <laughs> so wait. Fuck. I see I mix I mixed up the boys in this summary. I said Chase saves Sarah. No no no. Caleb. <laughs> God damn it. Caleb. Say they might as well have named them Brad. Chad, like <laughs> Mo, Poe, and Doe. Like, <laughs> perfect. So, so Caleb saves Sarah, and the two watches firefighters search the now burnt down barn. There is no body found, suggesting that Chase has survived and escaped, setting uh -huh. up for, <laughs> for a sequel, which thankfully never happens. With Chase gone, Kate and Pogue recover in the hospital, and everyone lives happily ever after, I guess. I uh, guess. Yeah, I guess. 
I want to talk about our sort of first impressions of the movie and our sort of like opinions overall. Um, I'd like to volunteer to start off by saying, um, you know, at the end of last week's episode, when we announced the topic for this episode, I was like, hey, everybody, um, next week, we're going to talk about a really (laughs) bad movie for the first time. So this is a fun one to watch along with us, you know, if you haven't done that yet. It'll be really fun for all of us. And if you took my advice, I just want to personally apologize to you. Um, (laughs) This was like, it was it was sufficiently bad, of course. um, But it was so deeply unpleasant throughout so many so many different aspects of it the acting the visuals the the dialogue um it was like it, it was terrible and i'm going to enjoy talking about it but um i watching it felt like homework like toil uh <laughs> <laughs> i also watched it on a monday morning uh i mentioned that mm. like you know from the makers of monday morning uh yeah i was working like a late shift on the monday so the morning was free for me so i was like hey i might as well as well watch this movie right now so like maybe that's <laughs> i've been grumpy all day and i think that might <laughs> this might have just no no <laughs> it wasn't it, 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 that would have happened regardless of when you watched the movie <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh what are what are your first impressions impressions there um when oh dear god um the only way i could tell the difference between caleb and chase was because chase is played by sebastian stam and i was like oh my god it's bucky uh yes winter soldier whatever like okay get (laughs) it get it let's see like the start of his career like you know so it, it was nice to see like the young sebastian stan and like I, I think him and Caleb's mom are my favorite parts of the movie because like Sebastian Stan just has like so much fun with this role. He's like, you know what? I'm going to be the antagonist. I'm going to be that antagonist. Oh yeah. And like really, really relishes it. But overall, dear God, watching this movie and I watched it twice. Like that's, oh, wow. that's how that's, we, yeah, that's how that's we dedication. do for this research. Yeah. Like, <laughs> The first time is just, like, kind of to enjoy, figure out, like, the plot and summarize it. And this one, like, there are so many gratuitously unnecessary scenes in this movie. And, like, it makes no sense. Like, just what what were they thinking? Like, there's times <laughs> when, like, the, like, provost of the, like, school, like, calls the boys into the office and is like... Oh, Caleb, there was a fight last night. Why? You. Chase's trust made a big donation. Make sure to take care of him. And later he's like, Oh, Mr. Chase, Mr. Collins, your school identification was found in the back of a dead boy's car. Here you go. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, like, and then he just kind of just, remarks that he's become close with the other four boys. And he's just like, oh, they're they're good kids. Like, that's just kind of, there's no point right? to like several of these scenes. Yeah. And the movie's like, not I, terribly long either. Yeah. It's like barely 90 minutes and it probably could have been 60. Like it could have, it could have been a short film. Like yeah. it could have been a very, very effective short film if they had just 
made it a short film, cut out the girls, let it be okay. It could have been a porn. It could. <laughs> and you wouldn't even have to change that much um, based on the tags from IMDb. Yeah. Um, okay. To that point, like we, so I, I don't know what outlet it was, but you found like a list of like, queer horror movies that we were like you know we should try to like you know on our queer horror podcast maybe we'll try and like make an effort to do like actual queer horror movies because generally yeah. we just kind of put a queer spin on whatever horror movie we want and it was rotten tomatoes it was rotten tomatoes itself um if you go on the imdb the tags include things such as homoeroticism gay subtext <laughs> male in a shower gay interest and magic, which there certainly is magic. Um, there's also like m- male rear nudity. Uh, and if we had done our research and gone into the tags, we would have seen that these tags are called helpful by like one of one person and two of two people. So like there's a, a particular shower scene that we'll talk about later that uh, clearly people with certain, you know, priorities are are using are seeking out that scene in particular and using it to using uh these tags to find each other which is fine but um this movie is dubiously horror and not at all queer so we we've fully missed the mark (laughs) on this week's podcast (laughs) yeah i i will say like i i did genuinely have fun watching this movie like i I would advise if you are going to watch this movie, make sure you have a drink or like a smoke first, because that will make it a much more enjoyable experience. But like the moment the credits start, you get this like grungy, like emo rock music. And I was like, oh, my God, I've been transported back into the early 2000s. There's greasy hair everywhere. Like there's low hugging jeans and like bad crop tops and like bedazzled things everywhere (laughs) and like for some reason like weird crosses on all of your clothing and abercrombie and like oh yeah it oh it was it was i i don't know it felt like really like even though i'd never seen this movie before watching it just felt so nostalgic of my like teeny bopper years oh yeah 100 percent. i can agree with that the entire soundtrack is like bands that wish they were like three days grace or avenge sevenfold or something like that like um but are not are very not (laughs) (laughs) very not yeah to your point about the acting too like i agree that sebastian stan like i don't think it's fair to all of the performances are bad except sebastian stan for sure like, I don't know how much these actors had to work with because the dialogue is pretty bad, but Sebastian Stan almost has, like, a an opportunity to be, like, Eddie Redmayne in Jupiter Ascending, where it's like, mm. all right, this movie's a piece of shit. No one's ever going to watch it. I get to be the villain, so I'm just going to absolutely go ham. And, I mean... And I, he does. And he does. It's all, like, the level of production and acting and stuff that you would expect out of, like, teen drama, like, CW shows. Um, Mm. And I think, like, a few of the different actors in this were in, like, Gossip Girl and Friday Night Lights and stuff. So, like... Oh, yeah. Yeah, that all kind of adds up. Um, Since we're not doing, like, a full summary of every scene in the movie like we used to do, we kind of just, like, jotted down some of our favorite scenes. 
Um, one of my favorites was like we open on this party. Uh, police show up to bust up the underage drinkers, and the boys escape in a car. First of all, they show up to this party, which is like at the bottom of a like ravine, I suppose. Like they start off and they're like on top of a cliff looking down yeah. on the party and they're like, oh, how's the party? And it's like, oh, I haven't been down there. And then they all decide to jump off this cliff and like literally Fortnite drop into the party. Um, and, but uh, Reed has this line where they're like, yeah, why no, don't we drop Pogue. in? Totally Pogue? Pogue. Like, look, as if I'd know or give a Stupidest shit. Stupidest name. Is <laughs> Pogue. <yeah. laughs> I love it. Terrible. But it's like, Oh, it won't kill us yet. Which what, what does that mean? That doesn't refer to anything. I was like waiting for like, oh, so they're going to, that's like foreshadowing that they're going to die at the end of the movie by jumping off this cliff. No, it just didn't mean anything. Um, whatever. The party goes on. Things happen. doesn't matter. The cops show up, bust them up. Uh, they all escape by driving a car and, Reed is driving? Am I right about that? This was yes. Reed. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Reed yes. decides to drive off the cliff and make the car fly to escape from the police. And as they're driving off the cl- cliff, he like white knuckles the steering wheel and goes, Harry Potter can kiss my ass <laughs> and drives off. Uh, hilarious. I just like, it's 2006. They want you to know so bad that this isn't Harry Potter. Um, yes there was a fun fact there was a prequel comic book also that was like a tie-in to this movie um, about the boys discovering their powers at a summer camp for the wizards in their area and the author is like super defensive and like wants everyone to know that it's not like Harry Potter like that's about a summer like sorry Harry Potter's about a school for wizards this is about a summer camp for warlocks so it's (laughs) not it's not the same um (laughs) It's totally different. It's totally different. So so different. I think because it's about like teenager wizards, they're they're like very they feel the need to distance themselves from Harry Potter pretty immediately. Yeah. And I just find it so funny how they they really needed to get that out there. Like we need to shit all over a beloved property because we're edgy. We're not for kids. Exactly. We show male like, butts. Like this. This instead, like the covenant is closely based off the craft and like charmed except instead of being girl witches it's <gasps> boy witches Da-da-da! like that's yeah that's their shtick <laughs> yeah they're boys a hundred percent um do you want to switch back and forth for our favorite scenes so you can talk about caleb arriving home if you want oh my god absolutely so after the party uh caleb arrives home because like he's such a good boy he doesn't live at the dorms where he could party with the rest of the kids at this like rich kid academy he lives with his mom to like take care of her because she's a (gasps) alcoholic oh my god (laughs) and tragic so he arrives home from the party to this like mansion and he's like mother you're still up it's past midnight and she's like lounging on the couch like in a robe like her hair is done her makeup's done there's a roaring fireplace the set is extravagant and just fucking amazing there's this like 
taxidermy like leopard or cheetah in the background for some reason i don't know but i fucking love it (laughs) their house is very (laughs) hill house by the way like i was immediately thinking of the 1999 hill house where we talked about it last week there's so much going on like there's so much set dressing right yeah like very much so there was so much going on and like she's just like lounging there like you know she's got a scotch or something and like she's smoking a cigarette and like honestly this like i fucking love this scene because you get almost all of the context from caleb's mom in this one scene where like it introduces that like his dad isn't around anymore like it kind of hints at like his dad being dead you know it kind of shows the consequences of using magic she's the one who explains that they get their powers at 13 that he's going to ascend at 18 (laughs) that he's almost 18 now like her baby boy is growing up and she's like worried that he's going to get addicted to his powers just like his father just like his father's father you know and like kind of shows this legacy continuation of how magic has been like affecting these people's lives and like honestly like like i was sold on this movie after this like bit of dialogue when they kind of like end on that awkward silence of like agreeing to disagree and she just sits there and like keeps puffing on that cigarette and i was like oh yeah girl you smoke that smoke you smoke that smoke caleb's mom you never even get a name mother does she actually not she doesn't like they <laughs> she's just caleb's mother like that's it hell yeah no um, name for her by the way when we're talking about how she gives us all the exposition and the context of like you know uh getting your powers at 13 and whatever however clunky you think that dialogue is just turn the clunk factor up like five more mm-hmm. notches because it's all like it's that classic characters telling each other things that they already know in like oh, really yeah. choppy dialogue in order to get exposition out it'll be like caleb you know that you got your powers at 13 and at 18 you will ascend and it was like <laughs> <laughs> like purely for the audience's sake because caleb's like i know mother it's amazing but honestly i will excuse it because she was drinking and like <laughs> okay i talk with like your interests. <laughs> like i talk like that when i'm high i'm like I will just, like, re-explain things that I'm, like, I know people already know. And I'll be like, Rebecca, we have been friends for 15 years. I, I know, Shannon. And you have orange hair. I I know, Shannon. <laughs> like, you know, like, yeah. I'll, I'll excuse it because of alcohol. You're valid. You're a character in some teen drama somewhere. Like, someone <laughs> in your life is the protagonist of a teen drama. You just don't know who. Oh, fuck yeah. I want to be an extra. I want to be an NPC. Do you know any 17-year-olds who happen to look like really hot 25-year-olds? Because that could be (laughs) whoever that is you found your protagonist. Oh, damn. I mean, I feel like I was that, like, one-off character for, like, one of the teenagers at our school when I, like, visited the, like what's it called the like um uh the the gay club that's oh the gsa alliance the gsa yeah 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 yeah. i like visited there and like maybe it's one of those kids i was like man you guys you guys are cool like one of you could definitely be the main character of something right on i'll be one of your like 
one-off characters that comes in like imparts gay advice like wah man i went to one gsa lunchtime session when we were in high school and they were watching boys don't cry and i was like oh this is but it's like it's a downer like that's not the vibe that you're Mm -hmm. looking for on like a tuesday at noon i don't know oh geez yeah yeah they i i think our gsa like didn't have any gay kids in it and it was just like teachers running it our high school like, had like one who was like uh, out yeah yeah and yeah. and and then they got bullied out yeah, yeah 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 oh boy yeah that's 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 how it goes but like the the gsa is doing better now can that's confirm good. oh that's good can confirm um, yeah. that makes me happy one of my favorite scenes was the entirely <laughs> pointless contemporary fiction lecture um where they brought up stephen king and the shining which so funny because in our last episode i was like oh my god i keep bringing up stephen king how how <laughs> hilarious of me i'm so basic and like the shining in particular has come up three episodes in a row and then they invoke the shining um again a scene that has no bearing on the plot the prof is just like we're gonna talk about stephen king and reed is like yeah the Dreamcatcher was the shit and then the prof is like no 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 we're going to talk about the shining and then that's just kind of the scene. Like nothing else really happens. It's not relevant. Um, just kind of funny to to our interests. Also, Stephen King uh, in the current era does not agree that the Dreamcatcher was the shit. Um, <laughs> he wrote that novel. First of all, he wrote it by hand in cursive uh, while he was recovering from a car crash. Um, and he later on said that like he wrote it heavily under the influence of OxyContin, and he doesn't really like it anymore he doesn't think it's very good um doesn't doesn't really defend that novel um but it is about four boys who were friends as teenagers discovering that they have magical powers so i mean i guess that's the connection oh yeah like honestly i was pretty excited like i wrote it in my notes stephen king's the shining lol and i was like jake is gonna be very happy about this but i that was the best part of the movie it was yeah because <laughs> they like, talked about better uh, horror <laughs> yeah like i i thought they would like you know work in some clever references but that's before i realized that the movie was like there's a reason it is four percent on rotten tomatoes uh-huh. there's 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 a good reason um and one of those good reasons is the first gratuitous shower scene uh <laughs> <laughs> Which there's, we get there's again. Multiple. <laughs> yes, there's more than one shower scene. Uh, this one is the uh, women's shower scene. So this is like right after they get back from the party, and for some reason, Sarah has decided to leave all the lights off and go take a shower <laughs> at two a.m. Um, and you get this like lovely like showcasing of her like silhouette through like a frosted glass door and she's like showering and like you know rinsing her hair and like looking at herself and her reflection in the glass and like a light bulb explodes in the bathroom and you know it's it's a good like kind of classic cheesy horror kind of shower of like the main female heroine like it's an eerie setting, you know, like she is literally like naked and afraid, like walking around in a towel and like, you know, it, it introduces like the spooky factor and like 
you know, she feels like someone's watching her and we can see like they start using that CGI and <laughs> yeah. show us that there's like some sort of spirit in there with her. And I was like, ooh, maybe there are going to be ghosts in this movie. No, no, spoiler. There are no ghosts in this movie. There's just darklings and they're omens. That's it. Literally yeah. omens. Uh, but I, I enjoyed her little shower scene and maybe like the scariest part was when she was like, done her shower and like heading back to her dorm and runs into reed and he's like oh hey and then for some reason is like totally cool talking to her while she's like wrapped up in a towel and is like oh you saw something let's go check it out and then they go back to the bathroom and it's like girl what are you what are you doing why what how do you already trust this man enough to like be wandering the halls with him going alone into the girl's bathroom with him at like the wee AMs of the morning? I don't. <laughs> and he's also, uh-huh. he also is like the least trustworthy dude I've ever seen. Like all of the, all of the boys deliver their lines with this like juiced up, like sexual tension to absolutely everything they say. Like they're really like, lowering their voice like five octaves on purpose and like at basically biting their lip with every line that they deliver um they should have been putting on chapstick like <laughs> yeah just just smearing on there oh yeah girl and like i mentioned it in our uh summary and it will come up again but like uh reed is like conspicuously wearing like fingerless gloves throughout this scene and and every scene he he is never not wearing them but in this scene in particular he's like holding up his own hand like in front of his face while he talks and is like showing off his fingerless pokemon trainer gloves to the camera um i couldn't really understand why he was doing that um yeah it's because he's edgy to that note though like about you mentioned the darklings in particular i thought that there were like this is something that i feel that i have to give the movie its kudos for like one second not to like give this movie compliments but give it a couple (laughs) like i thought the horror scenes that they injected were actually done relatively well like um Mm -hmm. that shower scene had a decent amount of tension to it i thought something might actually happen little did i know that nothing would happen for pretty much most (laughs) of the movie um Sarah at one point has a dream where uh, so we see a spider like crawl onto her bed and then like kind of it is it across her face and maybe it seems into her ear. And then she wakes up and sees that she's covered in spiders. And not only that, but like her roommate Kate is uh, like covered in spiders and there's spiders like burrowing out of like holes in her face. And it was... Um, it was like really well done. Like that was horrifying to watch. Yeah. And like the CGI actually looked good. It wasn't like all bad 2006 CGI. The spiders mm-hmm. were done to good effect. And uh, yeah, we see these darklings a couple times. Again, they don't have any bearing on the plot, but they're just like the spirits of dead people that we see that are just kind of signaling that someone is using the bad magic. Um but there's a scene where uh, uh, Caleb, <laughs> I always have to like <laughs> my boy name, right? Um, Caleb is driving and a darkling pops up in the passenger seat next to him. And I know you wanted to talk about this scene, but like it was a jump scare. And I'm not generally a fan of a jump scare. Like I kind of think mm. that horror movies should earn their scares and, you know, be a little bit more uh, uh, ethereal. But like that one was good. They, I, I'll admit they got me with that one. And I, yeah. But then the that scene kind of like takes a left turn <laughs> a second later. Yeah, so <laughs> like that that jump scare, I agree, is legit. Like that's the first time we see a Darkling that's like 
when Caleb first feels, you know, his spidey senses are tingling and he's like, someone's used magic. Wah, like really strong magic. And like, he's on the phone with Pogue, like on his fucking like brick Nokia phone, like shout out to Nokia. What, what, what? I had one of those in high school. I mean, but like, it's a legit scare because like it kind of scares and startles us. And then it adds on to that by Caleb is apparently driving on the wrong side of the road and he fucking like being scared by this darkling he drives headlong into a fucking tractor trailer like into a logging truck and like his car is just obliterated and like sitting there watching the movie i'm like okay okay yeah go off go okay, off movie, you've done character. something you've done something okay okay nice. and like you know it shows us that like the driver of this like tractor trailer is like super surprised he's wearing fucking red plaid you know like a couple logs like roll off the back of the truck and then we see like caleb's car and him like rematerialize on the other side and like he keeps driving just fine and like picks up his conversation with pogue on the phone being like i just and I was like, oh my god, he's gonna say he just got in, like, a massive car accident. Like, whatever. And, like, tell him about this. And he's like, I just saw a Darkling. And I'm like, oh my god. Like, dude is, like, driving into a fucking truck and you're, like, bougie-ass convertible exploding and you, like, unexploding it. Is that just, is that just, like, normal? Is that, is this, like, how cavalier rich people are about, like, crashing their cars and stuff? Like, it's not even worth mentioning on the phone like <laughs> yeah. whatever but i i enjoyed it i was like you know what Fuck, fucking whatever that's the, this is fun this is well, the fast and the furious now well these boys are like super rich and drive like sick ass like sports cars and convertibles and stuff like you said and uh pogue like i don't know if you noticed you mentioned he rides a motorcycle but like it's a ducati it's, ducati. it's a ducati <laughs> like <laughs> yeah and uh pokes motorcycle brings us to what i've called the little miss muffet confrontation where like he learns at one point that chase has cursed his girlfriend kate with the spiders and he's like oh i'm gonna go I i'm not sure if his goal was to save her or to confront chase but he storms off on his bike and then chase like is waiting for him in the middle of the road just like yeah. in the road not like at a particular place and yep. um, he, like, tackles him off the bike, essentially, and, like, flips it. And um, there's this really weird... Or, no, he, like, goads him into driving the bike into him, at which point he, like, suplexes the bike. That's it. But yes, he goads yes. him by saying, Little Miss Muffet sat on her tuffet and a spider came down and scared Miss Muffet away. Or something frightened Miss Muffet. L I, uh, why? <laughs> why? Why? He's taunting. <laughs> I, and, like, I don't remember the Little Miss Muffet nursery rhyme at all, but, like, I kind of think he got it wrong, maybe? Like Little a, Miss Muffet sat on her tuffet, eating her currants and whey. Okay. Along came a spider who sat down beside her and scared Miss Muffet away. Oh, my God. Well, good for you. Um, <laughs> well done. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that was it. And it was, uh, strange. I, I don't know. I just, I don't know why he did that to him. And that put Pogue in the hospital as well. Um, yeah, great scene. Yeah. <laughs> Not much yeah. more to say about it. 
solid. Solid. Um, like, some things in this movie just do not make sense. Like, um, when all of the boys, like, are, like, sons of Ipswich, when they all gather, they gather um, in the basement of Caleb's, like, OG family colony house, which is, like, super creepy, mm-hmm. like, old as shit, like, you know, has, like, a a creepy old, like, groundskeeper and stuff. Like, it is hella haunted house. <laughs> Gorman! Shout out Gorman! Gorman, my boy! <laughs> but, like, for some reason, when they're, like, meeting all serious and stuff, they, like, go down into the basement of this house, and it's, like, all stone. Like, it's got, like, stone pillars. It's got this, like, ancient library, and it is just filled to the brim with candles. Like, they clearly told the set designers, they were like, hey, we need a fucking witchy ass <laughs> fucking coven looking space. Make us one. We and, need a fire hazard. Yeah. And like the, the four boys will like sit around this like raised stone platform that like lights up with fire. And like, it's like an they altar. Levitate. I think we could say fairly. It's oh, an, yeah, altar. I, yeah. an altar. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's where they like read from their like old family books and stuff. And like, you know, part of like how they figure out that like Chase is a witch and like descends from like the same five families too. But like, I don't know why they decided on that. They could have just like had these conversations like in their dorm rooms or like at Caleb's house or something, but no, yeah. no, they, they went with the, the witchy space. Like I, I respect that. I, I respect doing it for the aesthetic, do it for the aesthetic, do it, do it for the aesthetic. I mean, mentioning, but... mentioning the set design, like that basement in particular. So yeah, it's like a, a stone candlelit underground dungeon. There's a bunch of ancient yeah. books with like glowing runes on the cover and such. Um, mm. And the the first shower scene that we mentioned earlier with uh, uh, Sarah, um, you know, being a, a bathroom at night with no one in it in the hallowed halls of like a, you know, elite high school that sort of resembles a castle. Um yeah. I gotta say, as much as, you know, the makers of this movie are gonna hate me saying it, massive Harry Potter vibes from both of those. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know, the shower settings really, like, I thought Moaning Myrtle was gonna pop out of somewhere pretty quick. Like, it was... Honestly. They, it, I find it just so funny again, like, they were like, we're not Harry Potter. We're just, like, a bunch of wizard boys who like most of them live at a elite high school that looks like a castle and hang out in dungeons with glowing books with runes on the cover, but it's not Harry Potter. And like, not to mention at some point, like the boys break into like the records of the school. And it's like a very much like Harry Potter and his cloak of invisibility going into the restricted section of the library. And oh I was yeah. Like, like it, I don't remember You're which not. Harry Potter movie it is, but there's literally, a, yeah, the restricted section when they're like hiding from the prefects and stuff. There's a scene that is like a hundred percent. And also uh, Sarah is kind of Hermione-esque because she like researches the history of the witches and like kind of finds everything out. And it's kind of hilarious because she does all this research and like finds out about like the, the witches of Ipswich <laughs> and whatever, and then goes to Caleb to talk about it. And he's just like, yeah, okay, you figured it out. I'll just tell you everything. Which, it's so funny because they, they repeat, like, so many times about how they essentially have to hide their magic from 
I'm going to say muggles. Uh, like they, they yeah. have to hide the magic from normal people. And then, yeah, the second Sarah figures it out, he's just like, all right, you got us. We're witches. <laughs> like, all right. <laughs> so you figured yeah. us out. Yeah. Like to me, like those scenes of like her researching in the library. And by the way, her researching is reading one <laughs> single, <laughs> one single book seeing the word spiders <laughs> seeing uh, a picture of a spider on someone's wrist and being like oh, witches and like just jump makes like to me that was like the biggest fucking twilight vibes ever because that's literally what bella motherfucking swan does is she buys one book on vampires and like reads up about vampires and werewolves and it's like oh, are you a say it like very say it say it say it spider monkey what what i mean this is something (laughs) that i had in my notes is like i don't understand i honestly i i said in the uh in the intro like this could have been called i can't believe it's not twilight i spent the whole movie watching it being like oh my god this movie wants to be twilight so bad like they ripped off the whole aesthetic and everything (laughs) much to my surprise i looked it up and it came out two years before twilight so like I am shocked. It it looks like Twilight. It is like wooden acted and has clunky dialogue like Twilight. Um, everything about it screams Twilight to me, but it predates Twilight by two years. So I don't know. Like, um, yeah, did, did the Twilight movie rip off this movie? Is there any commonalities? Oh, absolutely. Is if this movie came out two years later, would it have been Twilight instead? Like, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like, they did, like, we're we're gonna get to this, like, real soon, but, like, the, you know the, like, stereotype of, like, still a better love story than Twilight? Yeah. This was not a better <laughs> love story than Twilight. Like, this very much had the, like, you know, it's not gay if it's in a three-way with a honey in the middle, there's some leeway. <laughs> like, that, that is this movie. But before we get to that, like, my absolute favorite my favorite fucking part of this entire movie again involves caleb's mom where like at you know it's getting toward like the end of the movie like caleb is like oh my god i'm gonna go like sacrifice myself and like give up my powers and shit and caleb's mom is like no we should like go to your father for help and she's like your father loves you and caleb is like well then he'll die with that secret and i was like oh Shots fired, Caleb. Your dad never told you he loved you. Dad wow. burned. Wow. Oh, who burned? Like, that, that was fucking solid. Like, that, I've got to say, is the best line. Like, ooh, well, he'll die with that secret then. Who had more agency in this movie? Um, Sarah or Caleb's dad, who literally never spoke a word and all he did was die throughout the whole movie? Oh my god. Legit though. Like definitely Caleb's dad. Oh my god. Sarah only existed to be a damsel in distress slash like ransom at the end of the movie. Literally. Like this entire movie could have happened. Hostage, not ransom. Her. Yeah. yeah like yeah. she who is who's the actress? I couldn't tell. Like uh Laura Ramsey. So Laura Ramsey. Girl, in this year, you had two movies come out. She had The Covenant come out, and she had She's the Man come out. 
Both of them involve spiders, and both of them involve a lot of homoerotic tension and shirtless men. And sports and whatnot. (laughs) Yeah, and sports and whatnot. Right, that's true. (laughs) But like, girl, girl, Laura Ramsey should have just stuck with She's the Man. Like, that. that's what I knew her for before. Her acting was much better in that, and like... That's it. You she's... are just blowing my mind telling me that this came out the same year as She's the Man, too. That's crazy. Right? <laughs> Isn't that insane? Yeah. Oh, wow. Damn. Uh, Damn. I had a list of things that, like, I just wanted to talk about. So we can just kind of rapid yes. fire through these before we talk about, like, the discourse. Um, mm. But just, like, I did, I thought we would be remiss if we went the whole podcast without mentioning these. <laughs> we already touched on the horrendous mid-aughts fashion, like... So Reed's Pokemon trainer gloves, that's been well documented. Sarah's uh, constantly wearing cop- crop tops with low-waisted jeans, which, Ugh. uh, wow. Uh, and then Caleb goes to the bar wearing, like, just an undershirt. Like, what we used what we used to unfortunately call a wife beater. You wouldn't say that nowadays, I would hope. But, like... Can we just, can we just take a moment Were people appreciate? actually doing that? <laughs> I'm just picturing doing that now and like just oh my god oh my god it's not a good look it's trash I'm sorry you seem to you seem to disagree he looked great (laughs) as some okay once upon a time when I was going to like sushi pretty regularly with my friend in undergrad they were like try I was like what's male gaze and they were like male gaze is what you do to our waiters and I was like (laughs) oh oh because I would always like check the fuck out of our way like i just i just appreciate a, a, a like a good masculine physique like don't sure, hate me don't like i i just appreciate it. i don't want to like sexualize you or anything i'm just like hot damn wow um but like in this movie when they go to the bar they go to the bar once i don't understand why they go there as teenagers but like <laughs> three boys um caleb pogue and chase are all gathered around a foosball table and like mm, Pogue, those arms in that fucking like tank top. Yeah. Oh my god. Well, and there's like oh, swim scenes oh where god. like, yeah, they're all like they're all shredded. Like they're straight up basically naked in those swim scenes. Yeah. We, we are so close to talking about that. Let's <laughs> let's get there. Let's get there. Okay. Come on. Um <laughs> There's a few different lines that are just sort of thrown into the movie kind of for no reason. Like we mentioned the clunky dialogue. One of my favorites is when they're talking about like, we know someone's using magic and we don't know who it is. Caleb just says like outside of the bar, actually, he says someone's using powers and I, and I mean big time. Yeah. Like just what a, I don't know. <laughs> I found that line hilarious when I watched it. Like I laughed out loud. Someone's using powers <laughs> and I mean big time. Um, yeah. Terrific. Um, during the final fight scene, Sebastian Stan, there's a couple of moments that are just sort of like mind boggling as well. Um, <laughs> Caleb gets so mad that he like shakes the barn around with his magic and Chase just, he goes, ooh, witchy. <laughs> and like, he, it's that long ooh like that, which is like, it it made me a little bit uncomfortable. I'm not going to lie. It kind of seemed like the witchiness was like maybe, maybe turning him on a little bit. Um, and then oh, he definitely. also told Caleb, I'm going to make you my weach. And As then he's like, my biatch, but who is a witch? 
And then he's like, oh, did I just, oh my God, did I just say witch? Which, and you're like, what? It wasn't established like, at any point that like the boys don't like being called witch or like that that's a forbidden term or anything like that. Like, right? That wasn't established. Like, so I don't know if that's the subtext what? there, but. Which please. Yeah. Which please. Um, also hilarious is the fact that I could not tell Caleb and Tyler apart. Like you've heard us like flub their names a few times. <laughs> um, but Caleb and Tyler looked identical and Taylor got no character. Sorry, Tyler got no characterization. He had like f- between one and five lines throughout the movie. Um, <laughs> it was exactly five. That's crazy. So yeah, yeah, I, there's several times, like even I was writing in my notebook and there's several different where I'm like, Caleb, no, I mean, Chase. And then it's like, Tyler, shit. I mean, Caleb, like <laughs> in the first like 15 minutes of the movie, all my notes say like Tyler slash Caleb. Cause I didn't know which one I was looking at <laughs> at the moment. Honestly. Okay. I will say on, on the second watch through, I very much built an appreciation for tyler because like (laughs) tyler okay like i know i shit on him in like the summary but like tyler is like an astute student when he's like called on in class to like read things out he does without complaint it was his fucking hummer that reed was like move over baby boy and like tyler's like please my car (laughs) and he's and like reed just like shoves him out of the way and it's like i'm driving bitch and like you know like tyler doesn't kick up a fuss like you know caleb is like very disparaging about tyler he's like tyler doesn't have the balls to lie to me like there's no way he was the one using the magic like big time you know he 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 couldn't stand up to me and like you know he goes along with like reed's schemes and stuff and like you know he was like totally there for like supporting Caleb when he was like supposed to be protecting Caleb's apparent girlfriend Sarah and she gets like swiped from under their noses (laughs) all going to a dance of course but whatever fuck the dance oh my god yeah um the the, just the interchangeability of of the dudes was funny um they kept using I don't know if you noticed this they kept using a stock fireball sound effect from doom like literally from the video game Doom, yeah. you hear it in like so many because I think it's like public, uh, public domain now. But it kind of mm. sounds like a record scratching or something. And even like at the end when like the storybook closes on the altar and that's like this the credits roll. There's like five flames that start up and yeah, it's like the like I can't I, I don't know I can't recreate it with my mouth. But yeah, all the stock sound effects were hilarious. Um, and then also just noting like the. Uh, the sheer audacity of trying to set up a sequel at the end of the movie. Like they really thought this was going to be like a franchise. Again, they had a tie in comic book um, and they, they thought that there was going to be another one where they, where they sort of like hinted that Chase might still be out there. Like I, I seriously just thought Chase got obliterated. I was like, okay, cool. He yeah, like well, went up and played. soul got separated from his body yeah. and like turned into a fireball or something. Yeah. So and then blew up the barn and then blew up the barn. Duh. So he should be that's, gone. That's what a fucking barn burner is, man. You burn that barn. I I oh. actually low key want to see them make that sequel someday, like twenty years later. There is actually, so like when I saw it was like setting up for a sequel and when I was like reading a blog post, I was like, is there a sequel? And like immediately looked it up and there is a trailer for a sequel and it is fan made. Oh Oh, yeah. So it's not fan made. 
mm, good shit from like early YouTube days. That's upsetting. <laughs> right. And, uh, the last thing that I noted is that the movie's tagline gives away the entire plot and like the twist. Like if you like, it's on the poster. I I don't know if tagline's the right word, but this is literally on the poster. So if you went to see this in movies, the text that is written on the movie poster is, in 1692, five families with untold power formed a covenant of silence. One family lusting for more was banished, their bloodline disappearing without a trace. Until now. Yeah. That's like 75% of the way through the movie that we reveal that like Chase actually has powers and it's actually a fifth son of Ipswich causing all the problems. So like... Yeah. Yeah, they just spoiled yeah, like, it forever. Me- I don't think the movie going public... <laughs> I don't think the people who went to see this movie gave a shit about the plot, to be honest, so... No, no, they were looking at the, like, somehow PG-13, like, mostly naked male bodies. Like, this, this film, like, it, it, it showcases, like, so much toxic masculinity, yeah. but, like it really is made for the female gaze. Like it is, it is, it is so much man titty. Okay. Like, so much man titty. Well, this is a good, this is a good segue. Cause we were, we have yet to get into like the discourse of, uh, <laughs> we, we've replaced like a 50 minute long summary of the movie with just 50 minutes of talking about our favorite scenes in the movie. But I think this flows a little bit better anyhow. Um, yeah. yeah. But let's talk about that shower scene. That is why this movie made it onto our stupid queer horror movie list because it ended well, up on like reasons. essentially gay porn. Watch it for the plot. <laughs> yeah, list. there are, there are two reasons. We have a very homoerotic, homophobic shower scene. Yeah, and like a a queer bait kiss. So That's let's true. let's talk about the shower scene. Yeah. Tell me about the shower scene, Jake. Oh my god. Okay. So Aaron, Aaron's another character like who just hasn't come up until now because he's not important, but he's just he's a I don't know, he's a dude. He's around. He's another student at the school. He's not a witch. Um he's a dude. If, if I'm allowed to say that. I don't know. I hope that's <laughs> I hope that's, you know, I hope I'm allowed <laughs> to say the word witch. Um yes. Anyway, Aaron calls Chase a, a a word that you definitely can't say, uh, a, a gay slur, the one that you're thinking of. Um, I thought he just called him gay. No. Oh, he calls him a fag? Oh, he did. Yeah. I'll say fag. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. I, <laughs> I have license to say it. I've been called it, so I, I can say it. Yeah. Don't worry, Jake. <laughs> that's fair. You're good. Yeah, that's fair. Um, anyway, yeah. Uh, he, no, he, yeah, he straight up, he straight up calls him that. Um, Chase retaliates by making fun of Aaron's tiny wiener. Um, and then Aaron takes exception to that. So he punches Chase and then Chase punches Aaron more than Chase punched him. Um, yeah. And by the way, in I wrote, thank you for correcting me because in my notes, I wrote that this was <laughs> Tyler in this scene. And I never at any point thought it was Chase. I thought it was Caleb, but I was calling Caleb Tyler. So <laughs> That would make it pretty weird when after like Chase like walks away after punching Aaron, like Caleb's like, oh man, like cool. And like gives him props. Yeah. So then it would just be like Caleb giving Caleb props, which <laughs> that, that works. Yeah, he probably would. Um, but yeah, that was that there's like a whole lot of, I don't know, it's boy body in this scene. We learned later that they had to like add in CGI steam because there was full frontal nudity in it and they wanted to keep their PG 13 rating. So 
yeah, that's one of the reasons that this ended up in like all of those homoeroticism tags uh, is this scene, yeah. which is like fairly homophobic. <laughs> yeah, my like, I love how Aaron's like, hey, man, like, are you looking between my legs? And Chase is like, yeah. And is that that's like a penis, right? Except smaller. And then later <laughs> is like, <laughs> right. And then, and then when he's walking away, he's like, Man, Aaron, size doesn't matter. Like, you don't have to be so self-conscious. Like, <laughs> oh man. Like, and in this scene, like when Chase gets punched in the face, like he just like you know displays that trope of like liking pain so that he can't be tortured, and he just kind of like like he looks like he is so happy about getting punched in the face he's like oh yeah hit me again yeah baby one more time like the scene is very violent and like again toxic masculinity i know that like the homophobe is the guy who gets beaten up so i guess you could see that as like him getting what's coming to him or getting his comeuppance Mm -hmm. but like it's also just this representation of how like these dudes are very i don't know um like they're super grab assy with each other and the whole thing is like a real display of masculinity and you know ultimately it comes down to like who wins the fight and uh Mm. yeah like there's a lot of weird sexual energy in the fight they're very much like kind of gripping and caressing each other and whatnot throughout yeah and like i love how so this is like after swim practice like we neglect to mention why they're in the showers but like the, the guys are all part of the swim team um but i love how it like so starkly contrasts sarah's shower scene where like she's alone she's afraid whereas like these guys are like all together like really like having a good time like camaraderie like reed is like whipping guys with like a towel like you know and they're all like flaunting their nudity and like definitely having fun with it and like getting like props like like yeah do guys actually shower like that? I, what? Like, what? Why? I would say in some sports scenes, it'll depend on the locker room and whatnot, but I've definitely been in locker mm. rooms that are like that. Um, but it's kind of like, it's kind of like, I don't know, the the boys club boys are like very kind of like comfortable being like that with each other. Um, and I mean, we'll talk more about this uh, in in a couple more segments, I guess. But uh, yeah, no, like that's I, I think that's a fairly realistic depiction of like what some sports locker rooms are like. That is fucking fascinating. All the way like, down, like from the up. from the grab assery all the way down to the homophobia. It's like I'd say that's all one hundred. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Thank you for this enlightenment. <laughs> yeah, oh no problem. God. I'll give you I'll give you the insight into like straight man culture whenever you, <laughs> whenever you need it. God bless, yeah. because nothing, nothing turns me on more than straight man culture. And <laughs> like it just like I case in point, do the not understand it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> case in point, the fucking lighthouse. Like what a what a turn on. Like they flipped my light switch on. Like, thank you, honey. But moving on from that, from the homophobia to where this film really gets queer baby. And so at this point, we've got like a little bit of a bait and switch where like Chase has used magic to make himself look like Caleb shows up at Sarah's room. She lets him in, you know, they sit down to talk and then dun, 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 like the real Caleb shows up at the door. Chase like 
knocks Sarah out. She's like lying on the bed and like Chase and Caleb have this kind of like interaction. And this is where I'm like, okay, this, this is the literal, like, it's not gay if it's in a three way, like this scene could have happened without Sarah there and it would still have pretty much the exact same impact. Well, because they dissolved Sarah. uh... Yeah. (laughs) Like she literally turns into like sleeping fucking beauty on the bed there. Like she, she could be snow white encased in glass. Doesn't matter. She's like comatose for this little interaction. Right. They have a bit of a tussle, like, you know, chase, like casts a spell on her or whatever again with a spider. um, And is like, you know, kind of delivering the ultimatum to Caleb of like, hey, you're going to give your powers to me when you ascend. Like, if you don't, I'm going to kill your girlfriend. I'm going to kill your mom. I'm going to kill your brothers. And then, you know, like your life is going to suck. And like, I love how the sons of Ipswich are all like, yeah, we're kind of like brothers. Like we grew up, like our families are really close. And so in this scene, Chase beats up Caleb throws him into the girls bathroom he, he beats like, the shit breaks. out of him he oh, tosses God. him all around this room like launches him off the walls mm-hmm. and it's very like tai chi looking like magic use like yeah. all with his like arms weaving and stuff he thought but, he like, was gonna be dr strange not uh winter soldier <laughs> <laughs> i'm here for it sebastian stan as dr strange thank you um <laughs> So, like, Caleb, like, hits the mirror, breaks the glass, like, is, like, lying on his back on the bathroom floor. Also, why do these girls have a bathroom with no shower? Like, they have communal showers. Right. But they also have, like, an ensuite bathroom. Makes no sense to me. Whatever. Uh, student, it's not as though... Student lodgings I are not covered by bathrooms. logic and reason. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> but, so he's lying on the bathroom floor and, like... Chase is like kneeling over him and it's like they have these like intense eye contact moments like Caleb's all beaten up and Chase is like threatening him and then is like calls him brother and then kisses him and yeah yeah I think they think that it's like a tough guy like kiss of death type thing like um like in the Godfather 2 where it's like you are my brother and you betrayed me Like, and it's supposed to, like, have this drama to it, but, um, but they don't achieve that. He just kind of, like, they're in a fight, and then he is, like, on top of him, and then, like, and also it's a weird, like, he goes in for the kiss, and, like, uh, Caleb, like, turns his head, so it kind of, like, glances off the side of his mouth, and it's really weird in that way, and I'm like, I... I think they were going for like some sort of, like I said, yeah, dramatic Godfather-esque power move. But I I think it's fair to say this is just a, like a sexual assault. Like that's all this, that's all this is. I I very much read it as like a power move. And like right, right before the kiss, like um, Chase is being like talking about how he's like become addicted to magic and stuff. And I'm like, oh, okay. Is this kind of like, you know, their conceptual reading of like what it's like to be gay and like experiment with like gayness and like are they like playing chase out as like a a bisexual man who's addicted to homosexual relationships and like Mm. can't resist the beautiful beefy man muscle caleb on the ground and 
oh, he, he wants to see him as a brother, but really he just sees him as an attractive man and just can't resist kissing him. I don't, I don't know. Or is it a power move? I, I don't know. I think that the problem is that we watched this movie on a first go, still under the impression that this belonged <laughs> on this list of queer horror. So we're still trying yes. to read it for like, you know, queer theory messaging. And it just does not exist. I think that it's just... Um, like, it's, it's not only us that sees Chase as a queer character, though. Like, Chase is clearly bisexual like he is a chaotic bisexual like i think so chaos yeah. yeah like he just exudes it in the film like he doesn't give a shit about like the women characters in this like he could not care less about the girls no but He's to just be fair like... not, neither do any of the guys they do not give a shit <laughs> okay no true. actually true, true, pogue, true. pogue goes to to defend his woman's honor at one point on his ducati so Yes, yes. He needs to, uh, he gets jealous over someone else showing attention to his sex object. That's true. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes, indeed. Because she sees a movie about Brad Pitt with Chase at some point. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which was, which was Babel. Yeah. Yeah. All Babel. Because that's the, that's the Brad Pitt movie that came out in 2006. Oh, there we go. So that would be the movie that they're going to see. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we've, so we've got our fucking uh, queer baby scene. Like when I was watching the movie the first time, I was like, why the fuck do they call this a queer movie? And then that bathroom kiss happened. And I was like, oh, okay, there it is. Oh, there it is. There's, there's the <laughs> tiny just sprinkle of queerness because like what queer baiting kind of like, entered this scene like as a discussion point in like the early 2010s when people were like i think it was like around sherlock where it's like you know these movies and tv shows would like hint at queer characters and like specifically about like homosexual like tension but would never like come through on those promises and like actually have queer characters so that like they would kind of be like pulling in the queers to like consume the content but like still making it um applicable to like a homophobic audience right fucked i wonder if like i I think it's just the homophobia of like 2006 culture that this gets like (laughs) relegated to a gay interest movie because he power move kisses uh uh caleb chase power move kisses caleb and like again, I just see that as an assault. I don't see that as like being gay or like gay romance yeah, activity no. or anything. Like by by that logic, like I said, The Godfather Two is also a gay interest movie. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, next up on Skeleton Closet, <laughs> a movie that is about as gay and about as horror as this one. <laughs> yes. So let's talk about our. Uh, you go off go off (laughs) go off on girl hunting go off so there's a scene where this is this is some of the discourse that i wanted to bring to it there's a scene where they go to nikki's their favorite local bar where they're apparently allowed to under underage drink um and all the teens come out here for a great night uh there is a very creepy scene that we haven't addressed yet that like yeah is yikes um 
there's like a girl who goes up to the bar and she's like kind of leaned over. She's ordering her drink and she's wearing like a super short skirt. And the dudes are like huddled around a table. And I couldn't tell you who all is exactly there. Like Pogue and Reed are. And then Pogue, Reed and Tyler. I Okay, think. perfect. Um, and then they start taking bets on like what color her underwear is going to be. So one of them's like, oh, it's going to be pink lace or something blue cotton yeah blue cotton pink lace sure. and then one of them says that girl hasn't worn underwear since she was 12 like which is really creepy gross dude 12 was too young 12 was too absolutely young. too young of an age to pick and then yeah. reed i believe uses his magic to like uh basically marilyn monroe her skirt up so they can see the truth and co- collect their bets and she's not wearing underwear of course we get bare butt um the scene's really mm-hmm. gross and just the way that they kind of like objectify women in that and you know that's that's not okay um and then there's also a moment that you mentioned where some of the boys are playing foosball some of the boys are playing uh pool and uh the girls sarah and kate are sitting at a table by themselves and sarah says to kate why are we just watching them have fun and kate says well that's just what boys do um it really reminded me of a, a paper or a study that I read uh, quite a bit when I was in undergrad. I used it as a reference in a lot of my um, a lot of my essays. But uh, nice. David Grazian, who is a sociologist at the University of Pennsylvania, wrote an article in 2007, so extremely relevant to this time, called The Girl Hunt, mm-hmm. Urban Nightlife and the Performance of Masculinity as Collective Activity. Um, basically what he did was observe gender performance among heterosexual men and collective rituals and how that enacted in their nightlife. So basically he was looking at what dudes do when they go out as a pack at, uh, you know, to the bars in the nightlife scene and just try to pick up women. Um, and it was really interesting stuff that he found in my opinion. First of all, he found that they weren't very successful, um, going out to bars and trying to pick up people for a one night stand was, like he found a significantly less likely uh, way to find a sexual partner than things like just meeting someone through friends and things like that. So uh, mm-hmm. a lot of times these were like sexual myths that these dudes were like, oh yeah, you know, they all kind of think each other are hooking up all the time, but none of them are actually hooking up as often as they think that their friends are. Um, but what he found that the girl hunt was that the girl hunt is a predominantly homosocial activity, meaning that um, someone's male peers are actually the intended audience for the ways that they sort of competitively display their heterosexual masculinity. Um, they have these competitive games of sexual reputation and peer status, uh, public displays of situational dominance and rule transgression, and in-group rituals of solidarity and loyalty. Um, basically, the, the whole point is to reinforce sexual myths and expectations of masculine behavior, boost confidence in one's performance of masculinity and heterosexual power, and assist in the performance of masculinity in the presence of women. Uh, he wrote that these men seek out safety in numbers, that they enjoy the social and psychological resources generated by group cohesion and dramaturgical teamwork. Um, was Basically, these dudes are all going out together to act like really fucking manly men who all hook up with a ton of women but they're actually just performing this masculinity for each other um which is something that i think we really see in this movie that rule transgression that way of you know they're actually just going out and kind of being mean to women um yeah and in doing so sort of performing masculinity for each other 
and proving what, you know, kind of what men they are. Yeah, like it comes up kind of in the end fight as well when um, I think it's when Caleb like powers up and he's fighting Chase and Chase is like, ooh, I'm impressed. Like, and then he's like, ooh, you're showing off for your date. And like, meanwhile, his date, Sarah, again, she's comatose. So like, like Caleb is showing off for chase and (laughs) chase has noticed that caleb is showing off for chase but they kind of like situate the woman in there to like make it less gay you know like two bros chilling in the hot tub like five feet apart though because they're not gay because they're not gay i i think that Mm -hmm. it's so interesting to just like this reading about the girl hunt as a concept just changed my because we talked about it before but i grew up really idolizing dudes who were like kind of that that type of like really aggressively masculine dude and realizing that mm. that like oh the way that these dudes treat women that I've sort of thought was a model for a while is like not actually like uh, women don't like that like <laughs> the girls I know don't like being treated the way that the dudes in this movie treat women they're either uh objectifying them or ignoring them pretty much straight up throughout um mm. So most of these dudes are not actually that successful in hooking up with women and, and they're the, what women think of them is kind of secondary to what their, their boys think of them, which is like, it's so funny because the, this type of dude is so often homophobic also, but kind of everything they do is for the approval of their male peers and to be seen as sort of a male specimen. Um, there's a quote from a participant in the study that I wanted to read off. Like that, So this is yes. directly from Grazian's paper. And I thought it just like, first of all, it really mimics what we see in this. Like, especially that moment. Why are the boys having fun and we're just sitting over here? That's what boys do, mm-hmm. right? Um, this is a quote from a participant in Grazian's study. Uh, he was interviewed about his sort of nightlife activity. My thoughts turned to this girl, Jessica. I was thinking about whether or not we might hook up tonight. As I turn to face the door to room 301, I feel the handle, and it is shaking from the music and dancing going on in the room. I open the door and see all my best friends just dancing together. I quickly rush into the center of the circle and start doing my jaywalk, which I've perfected over the years. (laughs) My friends love it and begin to chant, Go, Joey, it's your birthday. I'm feeling connected with my friends and just know that we're about to have a great night. Girls keep coming in and out of the door, but no one really pays close attention to them. Just as the pregame was getting to its ultimate height, each boy had his arms around each other, jumping in unison to a great hip-hop song by Biggie Smalls. (laughs) And the way dudes from 2007 talk is so funny. Just a great hip-hop song by Biggie Smalls. Uh, One of the girls went over to the stereo and turned the power off. We yelled at her to turn it back on, but the mood was already lost, and we decided it was time to head out. I... buddy yeah yeah so i mean all this to say there's nothing wrong with wanting to hang out with your boys right like and there's absolutely nothing wrong with like collective male activity and stuff and you know getting together with the boys having some cold ones watching the game whatever you want to do right it's all it's all fun absolutely have your fun but the way that these dudes treat um objectifying women and mistreating women as this like collective activity that they can do together to prove their manliness to each other is mega fucked up. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot more common than a lot of people realize. And it's, I think in today's discourses that would have been examined. 
right? Like yeah. we, we wouldn't see something that just so, and I think, I don't know, you think back to other things from that time. Like for example, uh, I think of how I met your mother all the time with Barney Stinson. That is exactly oh, who Barney Stinson yeah. is. Right? Literally. Yeah, that's exactly who that dude is. Um, and I, I, a few of the movies that we've already talked about on this podcast critiqued toxic masculinity, like the lighthouse, like mm-hmm. American psycho. Um, I think this is the first one we've watched that actually celebrates toxic masculinity that, and this is sort of what I think people were worried about with American psycho. It was so controversial because it depicted violence against women by like these young upstart entrepreneurial minded dudes. Um, mm-hmm. But it was a critique of it the whole time. This one is not, this one is just like yeah. this. These dudes are awesome. <laughs> Like, this really misses out on the opportunity to critique that kind of fraternity structure because, like, these, like, these four boys, like, the sons of Ipswich are, like, sons, like, the firstborn sons of these very prominent, wealthy families in the area, right? And they have between them, like, this, like, and we haven't even talked about it because it literally never comes up in the movie but they have this covenant oh the actual covenant yeah (laughs) the the actual covenant like why the movie is called the covenant because it's supposed to be all about like they keep this secret and these rules about witchcraft this covenant and you know this kind of like secret society and i feel like you know that really does tune into like this brotherhood idea and this like fraternity and like sharing this masculine bond and this like bond of silence about how they'll keep secret about each other's activities Uh right so these boys could be doing very nefarious things and getting away with it and like i read like in you know university a couple of like articles about like the like rich good boys Mm -hmm. who like they don't seem like bad boys on the surface but they're like the kind of like country club boys and how they would get up to so much shit right and like they're the ones who would actually be causing all the destruction but because they're these like entitled rich boys like and like they're seen very fondly by the administration of the school which we see from like the provost in this uh movie yeah where he's like oh that's a good group of boys so like these boys like they can get into trouble like starting fights at bars and stuff but they aren't getting into trouble for it. They just kind of get that warning of like, oh, I don't want to hear about this in the news. Like, I don't want this associated with like the Academy. You know, they get into all this trouble, but as long as they keep it secret, you know, sweep it under the rug, you know, like make sure they clean up their act and like appear good on the surface. They can still have these like dark underbellies. And like, yeah, this movie like really does not critique that at all when i think they have quite the opportunity to yeah and if anything they celebrate like the way that they like i said ritualistically sexually harass women oh yeah as like a a a common activity that they can do um and like i don't know for anyone who i i don't know like the general age of our listener base but if you happen to be someone who is like on their way to college or university like please stay away from frats for your own safety for everyone's safety my, that's my advice. See, I know you had a good, you had a better experience, but <laughs> yeah, I I have a very different experience with frats and sororities. That's like, true. I was part of a sorority, and like, you know, it. I was actually thinking about it the other day, and I was like, man, my like uh, douchebag like ex at the time, like he was like, oh, I don't think you should join a sorority. Like, I don't think you would fit in there. And I was like, 
um you're just like projecting your like isolation onto me and you want me to be as isolated and unhappy as you are Mm. so that you can keep me trapped in this toxic relationship Mm -hmm. so needless to say i joined the sorority and it was the best fucking decision of my life because like my best friends now are my sisters right and like these are the people who like help me figure out my like gender shit my sexuality stuff like didn't even question it we were having a meeting once and like at some point i was like oh yeah i'm asexual and someone like popped in the room and was like oh my god are we all like coming out like oh yeah let's do this together and they're like wait shannon we thought you were a lesbian and i'm like no i'm i'm asexual like it's it's really cool that you guys like didn't really like doubt or anything or like you know just kind of assumed that i was gay like like most people that's not that's not like yeah. you're like i'm I'm uh, people have known I'm gay forever but like you know I I found it was a really supportive environment and like I'm still buddies with like our like my like frat buddies and stuff like those are some of the like first people I had a good experience smoking weed with you know yeah. like it was it was our like you know brother frat like hanging out playing what what you fucking call it smash bros like and smoking weed and stuff like it was it was really nice like you can get really toxic uh like greek life societies and like definitely there were some of those on campus but like you know if you just go to the people you're drawn to you're gonna be okay but like if you have to pay like a thousand dollars like per year for your fees eh, maybe don't join that frat or that sorority like do your homework like ours was like very much like a nerdy sorority so we were gucci but like you know what some of the other ones yeah. And you know what? I take it back. I got my foot in my mouth. I know you had a great experience. Some people do. Um, I will say the people I knew in frats in university had a different way of uh, a different kind of experience. Okay. So there's, there's one other part uh, moving on from sororities, but I mean, not actually because this, this ties in. Um, but one thing I'll say, uh, go on, is, take any frat or sorority with a Wikipedia page, go to go to their Wikipedia and just go to the section that says either scandals or like whatever, because it always <laughs> exists. There's always going to be some always. Like, oh, my God, this chapter, drama. the chapter, there was a frat that I looked up that exists at a local university, I'll say that I was like, oh, let's go on the scandals <laughs> page. And it was like, oh. Um, at their chapter at the University of Austin, John Hamm, like, assaulted a pledge with, like, a hammer. And I was like, oh, God. (laughs) Oh, my God. Wow. (laughs) That is one thing I will say about Greek life. Like, there is always drama. There is always drama. Like, it is so drama-filled. It is redonkulous. Oh, my God. But if, if that's what you love you know where to find some it. of us live for the you know where to find it yeah. yeah yeah uh so this movie one thing that like sticks out like a sore fucking thumb is how they talk about magic use and like outside of the club between the boys the mom talking about it instead of saying using magic they just say using oh yeah oh so you've been using i like to use. oh you can't go I, I I like to use. I've been using a lot. Dude, you can't go using in public. You're going to out us all. <laughs> yeah. And like the way they talk about it, of course, is like using drugs. And the way that the magic affects them as being addictive and as aging them, 
really aligns their magic use with uh, using drugs like heroin or using crack, right? Mm -hmm. And like they, you know, they describe this as like, you know, when you're using magic, you feel like you can do anything, like you're on top of the world. And I find that like the theme of like magic being like drugs or drugs being like magic really comes out with Caleb's family because you see how it affects them, right? So Caleb's dad gets addicted to quote unquote magic, um, is using a ton, can't control his using, you know, promises his wife that he won't end up like his father, who is also a user. Mm and then ends up following in those exact same footsteps pre-aging himself leading to the separation of Caleb's parents leading to you know his mom not being able to cope and her turning to alcohol to cope and she even says she's like Caleb like I like if you follow down the same path as your father like it will be the death of me like I won't be able to handle it Mm -hmm. so you know like using magic has destroyed Caleb's family and like it is it is not an artful uh metaphor whatsoever Uh for drug use but I did think it was kind of interesting that like I haven't really seen magic and drug use equated before Mm. so like it it yeah it it wasn't like the classiest (laughs) way to talk about it but it, it was interesting for kind of like bringing the discussion of drugs and like the impact that like addictive drug use and like continuous drug use can have on like both your individual life, like on your family with your friends, like how it can happen, like, you know, on with the swim team, you know, with like relationships and with your buddies at the bar. Right. And like how it can get you into these different kinds of uh, troubles. And I guess it was probably like a good thing to like, talk about in like a hot teen movie where it's like (laughs) super sexualizing the guys and like bring this kind of like discussion of drug use like up in 2006 like i'm I'm, i don't know i okay so here's the thing i i agree and i think that's all super interesting and like you said i I don't know that we've seen i nothing comes to mind when it comes to like thinking of fiction where like you could equate Mm -hmm. magic use with drug use and things like that i think that's really rife for um you know, well-written conflicts and representation (laughs) and things like so many things in this movie. That's a really interesting thing that they set up that never pays off. Like I can see how, yeah, yeah, we can, we can totally make that connection. And I agree with you the way that using it too much, like basically um, aged his father to the point where he's 44 and um, is pretty much not able to use like his limbs or his voice or anything like that. Um, Mm. that, that definitely all rings true, but then there is no, like, none of the main characters see any consequences of using magic. And it's just, uh, they keep like, we get this warning throughout the movie. If you keep using magic, it's going to go bad. If you keep using magic, it's going to, it's addictive. You can't keep doing this. And then at no point does that ever, um, materialize for any of them. Reed uses magic willy nilly, mm-hmm. even though he, I use the word willy nilly just now. Ugh. With reckless abandon, Reed uses magic, and um, it, it seems like it's setting up throughout the whole movie, kind of like a Chekhov's gun situation. Like, oh man, this this is really gonna get Reed into trouble at some point because we keep setting up that if Reed keeps using magic like that, it will get him in trouble. It never does, right? Um, maybe it that's never does. maybe that's something that they meant to address in the in the the sequels um 
you know, maybe they had a whole world planned here. I will say like, and I said, that's one of many things. I think that they did a decent job of world building here. Like I was kind of, mm. anytime they mentioned like, oh, you know, your, your dad got really hooked on the magic and it, and it kind of ruined his life. I'm like, oh, I'd be interested in learning more about that. I'd watch a different mm. movie about Caleb's dad or like, oh, all this stuff with like the ancient lore with the five families and how they all got persecuted and had to hide themselves oh, from the regular yeah. people. And they made this covenant. I'd be like, oh, I would I would watch a movie about that. That sounds kind of good. Um, but just nothing ever really comes to fruition. It seems like they set up a world that kind of like you I could see some interesting narratives coming out of this world that they've built. But this was just not one of them. I bet there's fan fiction for the covenant that's better than the covenant. Oh, there is absolutely <laughs> fan fiction. Uh, I was looking up a little bit. I did not read the fan fiction, but the most popular fanfics were between like Reed and Tyler, oh. and like like literally all of all, the all boys. five yeah, main yeah. boys mixed and matched. Right, yeah, and there were like well, they're all interchangeable anyway, so you just mix and match them as much as you want. <laughs> <laughs> exactly and there were apparently a few heterosexual ones uh, but primarily gay fanfics um yeah i mean and tyler's perfect because he has no personality so he's just like a good reader insert like who who he can I, be whoever you want him to be i firmly believe <laughs> that like of <laughs> of those five boys of the five sons of ipswich like my favorite is tyler like <laughs> he he like he he isn't shown with like a girlfriend or anything in the movie. He has no love interest. Like he has because he doesn't have anything. No discernible personality. <laughs> he has nothing except for a Hummer. Uh, that's, that's all you it. need. That's it. That's all you need. That's you don't need, need a personality if you got a big old car with big wheels. Nope. But like Where we come I from can anyway. just imagine. <laughs> oh, honestly, though, <laughs> but like I can just imagine. Like I I could write a fucking fluff about Tyler, and it would be like. He's a good boyfriend. Like he like tries to get the other bros out of trouble. Like he has Sunday dinner with like his parents and his like little sister and little brother. Like he drops them off at like school and stuff. Like he would DD you to the party uh -huh. and like make sure you and all your friends get home safe. Like he would like totally be the one to buy her flowers or something. And eventually we would get that fucking character development where when the guys start making bets on what kind of panties a girl is wearing, Tyler would be like, Hey guys, I don't think this is cool anymore. And like Tyler would definitely be the first <laughs> feminist of the sons of Ipswich. Just saying. And if you want to read Shannon's fluff fiction about Tyler, <laughs> then you should join our discord and ask them for it. <laughs> yes. Because if I have one person on discord, ask me, <laughs> If I have a single person ask me to write a fan fiction, if you give me the plot for a fan, like even a basic sentence of like, I want this as a fan fiction, I will write you that fan fiction and I will send you. Currently, <laughs> I have two fanfic posts. One of them is terribly smutty. Oh, oh dear no. God. And the other one is lovely fluff and they are about high q about my fucking volleyball sports boy anime but like <laughs> if you want a fan fiction i will write you a fan fiction because i just need inspiration and the demand because i won't do anything for myself but for my viewers and my listeners for all you seven to twenty listeners out there 
I will write you a fan fiction. So make that request. Join our Discord. I will write it for you personalized. Ah, oh, yeah, your very own AU. And Jake, if we can get, like, as many listens on one of our episodes as I have views on one of my fan fictions, spoiler, it's like 580 views. Oh my god. <laughs> so if we can get that many listens on one of our episodes, I will write a very special fan fiction. I don't know what it'll okay. be about, but I will, I will ask, or I'll... Or I'll write like a fan fiction about what I imagine your life is like on the daily basis. I want to get like Tyler X, Ephraim Winslow X, (laughs) uh, Patrick Bateman (gasps) X, both Luke Sanderson's. (laughs) Ooh, ooh, that's a challenge. Oh my God, I love that. (laughs) They're writing it down. That's. Uh, that's our goal okay if you want to if you want to uh join the discord if you want to send in those types of weird requests for shannon to mull over um there's a link (laughs) in the description where you can see our social media and our discord server um (laughs) i like i like your version of uh tyler being the one dude who will you know stand up to the rest of the guys and be like hey how about we cool it with the misogynistic remarks Yeah. yeah. How about you cool it? <laughs> I'm just tired of your lack of <laughs> feminism around here, okay? This is the early 2000s, guys. Come on. Try cursing my friend with a spider now, you yuppie fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Jake, now after this terrible, yeah. terrible um, porn, I mean, film <laughs> that we have watched and discussed. Yeah. What what is our next topic? It's a way better porn. Um, yes, no. <laughs> we are our next movie that we'll be watching. It's not actually. Uh, it's Jennifer's Body from two thousand and nine, starring Megan Fox and Amanda Seyfried, directed by Karen Kusama. Uh, this is something that we actually got requested in our Discord. So if you want to request other movies for us to watch, please let us know. We've got a whole channel where you can recommend things. Again, link in the description for that. But I'm super stoked. Have you seen Jennifer's Body before? I have not. Oh, get ready. Um, oh, as a sorority person, you're going to absolutely love Jennifer's Body. Fuck yes. Um, it is, it's a great movie, like, unironically. It is, like, in my opinion, it takes on all the best tropes of, like, this sort of, like, teen drama um, genre. Again, I don't know what you'd want to call it, but, like, what I refer to as the Riverdale genre. Um mm. it, it takes on all the best parts of that. It is genuinely funny. There's some, like... I suppose it's more of like a horror comedy than anything else, but there's some like pretty good spooks to it. Um, It is, there's, there's like, you know, enough queerness to, to shake a stick at. And Mm. uh, like so many of the movies that we've explored so far have explored toxic men and toxic masculinity. We have not yet explored toxic women and toxic femininity. (gasps) So I'm excited to, chop that yes. up with you something that i am not qualified to talk about by any means but i'm excited <laughs> to anyway what if Fuck what it. if for the next episode i was just like really awful and like sexist and misogynist like i was just like and this is why women are all <laughs> like, this is exactly what's wrong with women <laughs> uh, yeah i mean like i will do everything in my power to reach through this computer screen and grab you by the collar and shake some sense into you Okay, perfect. (laughs) I need it. Hilarious. Um, 
I do remember writing an essay in undergrad for like my classics course on how like women just ruined men's lives and like all the ancient Greek plays. Like it's oh, like yeah. these dudes are heroes and then a woman ruins their life. And I just, it was the most fun I have ever had writing an essay. It was lit. It started out as a joke and then it just kept going. Basically Jordan Peterson. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, 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 as a trans person, yeah. love, love being compared to Jordan Peterson. Uh, that is my life achievement. Thank you. It's almost better than when someone said, oh my God. You look like an Arizona can when I was wearing a dress that looked like an Arizona can. Second, yeah, best compliments I've ever received. Thank you, Jade. <laughs> now I will drink. <laughs> there, there are two genders and they are Jordan Peterson and Arizona can. <laughs> God bless. <laughs> All right, everybody. Uh, have, have, a good, have a good week. Um, I hope your I hope your evening's going well, and uh, <laughs> you know, pop into our Discord and say hey if you feel like it, and our social medias; those are all at the yeah. link, like I said, in the description. Um, Thank you for listening. Yeah, that too. You're you're the you're the you're the best, and I think you're the best. Oh, we're really awkward <laughs> at ending podcasts. All right, goodbye, everybody. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>